1: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever
0: you get your podcasts. Everybody open your sodas.
2: I've got my coffee. Yeah, open it. Open your coffee.
0: Here we go. Three, (laughs) two, one. Exemplary. Exemplary work, everybody. Now, I would like to remind everybody that Bonnie doesn't want us to... uh, Oh reference things from the past, God. but I'm not. I'm not going to say that because that's that was last that's week. That's in the past. We we moved yeah, on. That from itself. That. <laughs> yeah. So I think that means we can reference the past all we want now. No, no, that's not how it works. No, that's well. The 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 warning to not reference the past
2: is in the past now. Right, but you didn't even wait till you had some conversation
0: (laughs) to go to the past. You just jumped right in there with the past. So glad you're paying attention to me. Let's talk about the future. Bonnie, what's in your future?
3: Uh, Okay, let's go back to the past. uh, All right, we're going to have to go back. It looks like like that's all we
0: got, everybody.
3: The future clearly just has nothing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Our best boy. years
0: are behind us. Oh,
3: oh, you're not kidding. And As a country. And some good years they were. Do you remember yeah. the time? No, that wasn't good. How about? No.
0: No, no, no. no. That, was, yeah. that was overrated even when it happened.
3: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know uh, what I? No,
0: no. Oh. Hey, what about when no. you and me and no No, no because right. there right. was no. that thing and then it went yeah. so oh, <laughs> yeah, that was my fault too. Yeah. I never should have invited.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. uh,
2: well. Well, it's good to go well, over the place. Here we are. Yeah. I actually thought we you were are, gonna you... say something specific. No. I mean eventually. We yeah. No, never.
0: No, no,
3: that no, wasn't. No, really. That would,
0: that would kill the bit. As dead as yeah. That is, uh, yeah, no, I know, but, right but then now. I thought like
3: yeah. that bit would go, yeah. and yeah. then no, you see, would the, say something you know, specific. Kind of like, no, see, if there was yeah. a funny part at all, it was that we really weren't
2: no, referencing, I got reminiscing that. about anything. anything.
3: I got yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and yet you felt the yeah. need to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now your 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 book that is a deep dive into the analysis of humor, Bonnie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 it was fantastic. And, and Yeah, that was called Funny, Funny was, by Bonnie, right? Funny was, by Bonnie. It, yeah, and it was illustrated as well, which I, I really appreciated. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. It was a pop up. You know, it's oh, interesting yeah. you're saying what? that, Paula. Yes, because, because you weren't on the production meeting call yesterday, and we oh, have fine. come well, up with an idea
0: of interviewing me. That's true. We came up with this amazing idea, and this is a real peek behind the curtain, Paula. Yeah. Is that what we could do. Remember how we uh, occasionally that's right, time so to it, time. If
3: I had been on that call, I would I know. As, as, all right. So, listeners, so that you understand, we do have a business call on Mondays, and I totally spaced, uh, and didn't. I didn't you get on it. it. Yeah. But you if I had been on it, I would have shut this shit down in yeah, a no, second. Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah. A heartbeat. But since yeah. you didn't, you know how once in a while, I hate to talk about the past, we do a segment called Career Corner. Where you yeah. explore what it might be like to do some career? Absolutely, yes,
3: yeah. yeah so f- we had a
0: great idea for a upcoming career corner where we interview a professional personal manager. Yeah. <laughs> oh. no, I don't. Where are we gonna find? Where are we gonna find well, one It's weird. We, we could we could look into our own dugout, and there, at the end of the bench. Yeah. No, the colonel is dead. The, the Colonel's
3: dead. Not the Colonel, not we Colonel get Tom Elvis's Parker. Manager. No. No, no, uh, no.
0: I was not talking about Colonel Tom Parker. Uh-huh. I was thinking of somebody even closer to the organization than Colonel Tom Parker, if that's possible. Huh. Somebody who's managed a successful comedian's career for oh uh, almost three decades now. Okay.
3: You know where you fucked up there, the word successful. No, come <laughs> <no>. on.
4: <laughs> it worked most of the might. time. No. It,
2: what? We have traveled down the lanes together. We've traveled down the lanes together? Well, all kinds of you, them. I was where saying, did you get that? Were you reading you know, a, that's, I have the that's like an, an
0: old expression that doesn't exist.
3: She was reading a Marianne Williamson book of some sort, right? We've traveled down <laughs> the roads together and kind of misty, gauzy cover. Um That lady who's running again for the... Isn't that her name? Marianne Williamson? Um, yes. Who's, who's running she, again for the... um Democratic presidential nomination. Uh, Oh, she's got
0: a shot this time.
3: When I used to work in a bookstore in Boston, I put her books on the shelf, those self help books. (gasps) And there was always like a, you know, like a picture of a, uh, you know, a dandelion uh, with just the (laughs) seeds on it, but it was kind of blurry. And then it would say stuff like, we've traveled down the lanes together. That was usually the cover. Uh, So Bonnie, apparently
0: going with her. That's also an expression favored by uh uh pairs bowlers who foul a lot.
3: We've tra- traveled down the lanes together. We, one yeah. time when my kids were little we were bowling and there was a guy beside us that was clearly like a league bowler. He was there all by himself um just practicing and he would, he you know he had an arm man. He would fire those balls down the lane. And you know, strike, 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 and my poor son accidentally, because we weren't really bowlers, we just went a handful of times. But my poor son accidentally threw his ball into that guy's lane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was wow. He
0: interfered with the emperor's groove, as it were. Yeah, exactly.
3: You know, that was that was a beating that was tough to see. Yeah, I mean, you had to let it happen as a parent. You 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 have
0: to watch it happen. Yeah, yeah. you know,
3: you don't want to mollycoddle the kids. That's the
0: thing. You do not. You do not. Well, uh, I'm about ready to start the show, though. Paula, I want you to kind of carry us tonight, if that's okay.
3: I'm happy. You know what? I, you know, I was not on the call yesterday, and so I certainly owe you all.
0: You definitely do. And yeah. I've been, I've been doing, I, I feel like I'm a little tapped out. I've been doing so many like podcasts and shows in the last t- uh, oh, seven days that, yeah, you're that doing, like, I'm i am done. You're doing a oh, lot. look lion how he inserted that right in the cold open, too. It's not really a flex, Bonnie. It's a lot of small shows and stuff. It's not, I'm not raking in bucks. <laughs> no, I, you know, no, you're the new Joe Rogan,
3: honestly. Um, uh, no,
0: no, nope. Joe, Joe Rogan uh, is in the black in a big way.
3: Wow, I didn't know you could make money podcasting. Is it possible to make money podcasting? I had not heard that. It's part of the reason that I do it. It's sort of like, you know, beating yourself with a ball that, with uh, pokey things on it. That's what I thought yeah. we were
0: doing. Yeah, oh. that's uh, that, That's definitely what we're doing. It's Is it what we have to be doing? Could we be the next Joe Rogan? I don't know. Oh. Oh, wow. So he makes money doing it? He makes money doing a <laughs> podcast. Well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah.
3: That's like, that's like doing yoga that makes you stiffen up. I, I don't think he understands what a podcast is supposed to be. A podcast <laughs> is where you don't make money. Yeah. Right, exactly. A podcast is a way of
0: siphoning off money for people who just don't feel good about yeah. Taking and using up all your time as well at the same time, which is kind of my point tonight. It was like, yeah. I've been, I've been devoting a lot of time to, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll be a guest on your podcast. Of, of course I will.
3: You've learned so much by doing other people's podcasts that you're bringing to ours. And by the way, Adam, I, I just want to thank you again and congratulate you for having been on yeah. every episode of our show, that It feels that like fan- it tonight. Fantastic. I feel like. to
0: every episode tonight. I really do. So you're welcome.
3: Um, hey, um, I forget where I was now. Might have been, was, uh, might have been Gainesville, Florida, maybe. And I met. I see a, how she
0: works that in.
3: I I met a, <laughs> I met no. a, a young man. <laughs> yeah, but, but what you what you don't understand is that I I went down there. Um, just to pet an alligator. I wasn't working. Is that what you were thinking? Were you thinking I I was saying that I was working? I thought this story
0: was going to involve you working somewhere, yeah. No,
3: no, no. I just went down to pet an alligator. Um, I I think it was Gainesville, Florida, where I was, where uh, a young man came up to me, a guy named Aubrey, couldn't have been nicer, and told me how much he enjoyed the podcast. Now that I'm saying that, I realize he could have been talking about any number of podcasts that Adam is on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I always feel bad that I, you know, I'm, res- I'm hearing that. I like to bring it back to you guys and let you know that uh, people do say that they enjoy all the podcasts that Adam I is on. I think he was on. talking about his
0: podcast. I think he was in, in saying he, he enjoys doing, uh, you know, his podcast, The Aubrey Show.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? They changed the name to The Aubrey Hour. Oh,
0: uh, and, I, uh, I did a guest spot on that earlier in the week. It was great.
3: Yeah. They tape for two hours, but keep in mind, it's called the Aubrey Hour. So you- They edit very- you, Yeah, well. you were actually cut out. Uh, that was one of the things yeah, Aubrey that's, that's wanted surprising. to tell me. That, <laughs> that said, sounds, like, uh, yeah. that sounds yeah. like me. He said he's a big fan of yours and he's really sorry that yeah. your voice didn't make it onto the Aubrey Hour, um, but that if hmm. if they do a Patreon at some point, they may- Uh, Play your part.
0: I'm going to try to get in good with this guy because, you know, you know, Paula, I figure that if I really nail it, then someday I might make it to the podcast proper for the general public.
3: Uh, No, (laughs) that's really not a path to that. No, no, no. I'll see what I can do.
4: Uh, uh, You put in a word for me. Can you
3: put in a word for me? I'm I'm dying to
0: make nothing on his main podcast.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, so far, I think that we have overstimulated the audience and should probably (laughs) start the show. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Here we go.
0: Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California. This here is the beginning of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life tonight. A lot of podcasts talk about going viral, but tonight we are actually going to go viral and maybe bacterial. Also, what's the difference? Well, we've got the man who literally wrote the book on infectious diseases, Kyle Harper, here to tell us all about viral phenomenon even grosser than TikTok. And then, ah, our beloved aunties, you can't live with them, and sometimes you have to live with them anyway. It's infuriating. Anyway, you nobodies have contributed some of your favorite auntie stories. Not to be confused with anti-stories, which Webster's defines as any story told by Bonnie Burns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Adam Palber, this podcast's vigilant immune system scouring the conversational bloodstream for invasive non sequiturs and mutant digressions. And now, welcome the woman who is always full of the contagious substance known as laughter and also phlegm. It's Paula Poundstone. Yay! Hey, you guys! Welcome, Paula, and welcome to everybody. And Bonnie Burns, I'm sorry for that side swipe of a joke. I just thought it was funny. Oh, that's okay.
3: Oh, sure. Just lay down and take it, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fight back. <laughs> yeah. How you doing, Paula Poundstone? You know, okay, so here's the thing. All right, I'm going to tell you a story, but you have to promise me that you won't focus on the negative.
0: I promise. Is, it, is this one of those <laughs> stories that starts with you going, oh, yeah, and then welcoming the house band? Yes. I want to welcome back houseman Ron Bellamy
3: on the handbells. I love Ron and his handbells. Ron started ringing in 1979 and became a solo handbell artist in 2000. He directs two church handbell choirs in Lancaster, Pennsylvania area, and is the artistic director of the Philadelphia Handbell Ensemble. Thanks, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Welcome. Oh, my God.
0: Yay, Ron. It's the best. Now, Paula, I am hoping that you can tell me some kind of story where I can focus on the positive and not dwell on the negative.
3: Okay. I don't want you to focus on the negative. All right? Okay. Okay. So I had a cat that was sick. I had to take it to have it put to sleep last night and I took oh, it was no. like a twenty four hour Aww. emergency vet uh, place and, I, and and actually and they take me to this lovely room in the back uh, with like a couch and a pillow, and they lower the lights and they have like there's business cards for pet loss bereavement groups. And clearly they have this way of approaching this. So now they, you know, whatever. They, 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 and they say to me, somebody sits down beside me and, and, and uh, you know, with an iPad. Everything was very clean in this room. Somebody sits down beside me with an iPad and they're like, um, okay, would uh, um, we can, uh, you know, w- w- uh, w- you can cremate uh, the cat and um, there's a individual cremation and I knew they were headed towards the urn. So I wanted to sort of cut cut them yeah, off yeah, no, as quickly as I could. It's click. all about
0: selling the urn. Bro.
3: It is. It is. There's like uh, there's the individual cremation or the group cremation. I said, just do the group. And uh, she goes, and then there's a service where uh, they, they empty the, the ashes into the ocean, and there's a service where they will tell you where in the ocean the ashes are. What? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, don't sign me up for that, but thank you. I mean, is that truly the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? It's probably
0: the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean,
3: they could say anything. First of all, I don't care. And second of all, they could say anything, you know? Like, oh, they're, they're...
0: yeah, I don't think yeah. they take it to the ocean at all, for one thing. <laughs> more than, more for than, two, no. the ocean is what what we scientists call very big. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't be able to find pieces, yeah, yeah ashy yeah. pieces of your cat if yeah. you weren't looking.
3: Exactly. It's not like I'm going to re. Yeah, you know, uh, I just can't imagine. There's a thing like uh, on an app. Surely there's an app for it. I, there has to be. A, and then they just update you on a daily basis. Like, <laughs> it's near Hawaii now. Uh, I I just <laughs> <laughs> I know, wow. um, I'm hoping that one of the cruises that Tony takes um, is along along the path of the ashes of my cat, Severus. I'm hoping that they're able to fit that in this year. Um, well,
0: I'm very sorry to hear about Severus. I know I, I promise not to dwell. told you, don't focus
3: on the negative I, I'm, I'm part. not
0: focusing on it. I'm just offering some sympathies because I know that Severus was a member of your household, and that's sad. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you didn't pay cat. for an urn. No, I didn't pay
3: for, I didn't, I just, uh, you know, normally I would just do everything here at home, but uh, there were, there were cirques, there were circumstances. The cirques weren't good. I don't
0: think, the cirques weren't good. I don't think you're a fan of the the movie, The Big Lebowski, but um, one of my favorite parts of that is, and this is a spoiler alert, after Steve Buscemi's character dies, they, they uh, have him cremated, and then they're told the price of the urn, and what they do is, they instead go to Ralph's and buy a can of Folgers and put them in that and then sc- then scatter them in the ocean.
3: Boy, I don't remember that at all.
0: Um, oh, it's one of my favorite details of the movie.
3: Oh, I can't remember. You know, I, I, I didn't dislike the movie, but I didn't sort of get it the way everybody gets it. And apparently right. it's supposed to be about so much more than what you're seeing on the screen. And I generally, you know, I am a um, I'm not a deep thinker. Uh, I just, I generally, well, it's like, that's what they say about Moby Dick too. It's not really the story of a man and a whale. Uh, okay. But boy, that's what I read. A man and a whale. And another and another man in a, in a whale penis outfit. I, that's what I read.
0: <laughs> that, 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 that bit sticks with you. Um, and I'm glad that that was an elegant segue, Paula, because and before I get to your segue, which is to our book club, I do want to say that if you want to hear more trenchant Poundstonian movie reviews, well, this is your month. Because in the in the weeks to come, Paula and I are going to do our Christmas movie review show. So keep an eye out for that over these happy, happy holidays that approach. But meanwhile, as Paula said, we read Moby Dick on this podcast during a previous podcast, which we're That's not history. allowed to That's history. Reference. We're not allowed to talk about move on, that. Move on.
2: No, it's the same
0: podcast. Previous, previous episode, episode. But we don't talk about such things. What we do talk about is in the here and now. <laughs> it's time to return to our bookie, bookie, book club. I'm calling it to order.
2: We've got a book club. We've got a book club. We've got a bookie 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 book club. We've got a book club. We've got a book club. We've got a book club tonight. Wow! Wow, I, I, that I was loved that. wonderful.
3: It was, it was, it was classic. I did the classic version. The classic version was what we remember. It's what, it's what gets our, it's what makes us salivate for the book club. It's
0: Pavlov's theme song. That's what it was. Yeah. Although it did make me nostalgic for last week, which we don't talk about, but there was a gospel uh, book club theme song last oh week god. that it was, it I was, wouldn't mind hearing that in addition to classic uh, it was I mean, fantastic um, it was really great and and uh, Vic our editor put that together with the help of uh, uh, the bon- Bonnie Burns and the Burns family singers um, Tony is there any chance that that's available?
5: yeah I can play it I have it up Here oh go. really?
0: wow <laughs> oh my god <laughs>
2: Day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day, oh, happy day. We got a book club, a booky booky book club. We got a book club, booky booky book club. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day.
5: Bookie, bookie book club wow <laughs>
3: fantastic Absolutely. you know it's a key
0: change that gets me every time as as and we, it gets bonnie every talk. time <laughs> <As> we, <laughs> Did I make you a keychain? However, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> however, you however, the choir decided to go ahead and do one without you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Bonnie, Bonnie marches to the beat of her own drummer. She doesn't let a whole choir push yeah. her around. Um, That's good. I'm very excited about the—and, Bonnie, you look a little tired, and I'm sure it's because you've been working so hard uh, on uh, the upcoming release <laughs> of uh, the Bonnie Burns version of Oh Holy Night, uh, which I think— is not (laughs) to be missed.
0: Okay, so we have read chapters seven through nine of Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. Quick synopsis. After getting a snot beat out of him by his roommate, uh, Holden Caulfield goes to his next-door neighbor Ackley's room and just kind of lies there thinking for a while after waking Ackley up and then decides, what the hell? As long as I've been kicked out of his school, why wait for Wednesday? I'm getting out of here. I'm going to New York City. He packs up his bags, walks down to the train station in the snow, gets on the train, meets the mom of one of his fellow students on the train and kind of tries to hit on her a little bit while lying to her about all sorts of things, including her son and the idea that Holden himself has a brain tumor. Then he gets to New York, checks into a hotel, tries to call this girl who some friend he met at a party said might be willing to see him, but it's like two in the morning and she says no. And that's about where we are with J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye. And I want to quickly... Go to the name above the title, Paula Poundstone, not to dwell on the past because we don't talk about the past on this podcast. But for the last two sessions, Paula, you have failed to read chapters one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six of Catcher and the Rye. This week, your assignment was to read all nine of the first chapters of the book. What did you think of the chapters that you most definitely read this week?
3: OK, first of all, I didn't just not read them. My mother couldn't take me to the yeah.
0: library. Ms. Poundstone, you said this last week and the week before.
3: I understand, but that's why. Because my mother couldn't take me to the library, and I don't drive.
0: Um, well, what did she say about taking you to the library? She was too busy. Okay. She was too
3: busy. She had a headache. She, okay. She had a headache. She was busy with a headache. Um, okay. Okay. I just want to say, I can't believe, I, I you know... Uh, I'm so glad that I read this week. Um, Did you? Uh, Captain John Yosarian is a 28-year-old bombardier in the United no, States no, <laughs> Air Force. I, I, I want to cut you II. off right there.
0: No, While well, no, no, no. stationed
3: um, in Italy, he's admitted himself to the hospital with an invented liver problem, wanting to evade flying yeah. missions. Uh, yeah. This was so... I was really captivated yeah. by Captain yeah. uh, Yosarian.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a. Yeah, and you are the, reading a capsule synopsis of Joseph Heller's uh, Catch 22 right there. Well, that's what we're reading. No, we are reading not Catch 22, <laughs> another book with Catch in the title. We're reading J.D. Salinger's classic, The Catcher in the Rye.
3: Oh, for Christ's sakes. Okay. All right. Okay,
0: wait. I did. Read Catcher in the Rye. So You did? Oh yeah, that's good. I that's did. that's good. Because right now that was a misdirect then. That was an amusing misdirect.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was kidding.
0: <laughs> I was kidding. Because I'm a little worried right here, Paul. I'm sitting here a little worried.
3: <laughs> oh my gosh, I had you going, didn't
0: I? Oh you so, did.
3: <laughs> so Holden Caulfield gets the snot beat out of him by his roommate. Wait a minute.
0: And That's exactly and the and way I goes, described it moments
3: and then he goes ago. Ackley's room, and he lays down on the bed for a while, uh, uh, and then uh, uh, he wakes Ackley Hello? up, and, and then he gets out of there. He packs up, uh, and he walks to the train station, and on the train he meets his schoolmates' mom, and and tries, uh, <laughs> and, and it comes to her a little bit, and then he tries to call a girl that somebody told him you know would maybe go out with him, and
0: uh, wow, this is really. Uh, I i okay. it. I love it. Paula Paula, can I can I ask you a little question here? Yeah. <laughs> did you read any of Catcher Narai? Because right there you just recapitulated my recapitulation.
3: No, no, I read Yes, I did.
0: Uh, did you? Because it really feels like it's time to censure Paula Poundstone. I'll one tell you one more time. The part, <laughs> the, the part that I like Paula. Poly- the, no, the uh, part no, that I like no, the best no,
3: no, is no. that though he is apparently healthy, Yo is permitted to stay in the hospital because the confused <laughs> doctors cannot <laughs> disprove his sickness, and that to me, you know, was symbolic. He wasn't being his true self. Um, uh, 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 uh you and the other officers spend their time censoring the homeward bound mail of the enlisted soldiers, and I think we all see no, the again, symbolism again, there. Paula. You're,
0: laps- you're lapsing into um, you're lapsing into uh, catch 22, which we've already said is not the book, hmm. huh? I oh, Paula Poundstone, okay, Paula you know what? Poundstone. I, I you was, know, I, I Bonnie was, Bonnie Burns. Out, I want to go straight to Bonnie Burns and say, How and is no this making would, you feel? No one Bonnie? would
3: tell me. What the homework was.
0: I was out. Bonnie, <laughs> we're here on Zoom. I want you to look yeah. into the into the camera and tell Paula Poundstone <laughs> how her now three weeks of not reading your book, Catching the Rye, makes you feel.
2: It's not your book. You know, here's okay. what I think. I think, Adam, you asked me how, how feel? I feel. You asked me. Uh, it bothered me how a I little feel? bit, like the first yeah. three chapters. But now... Honestly, I don't really give a Uh shit. I mean... I'm oh Paula's advocate. God. I'm an <laughs> advocate. And so I just feel like, okay, whatever you want to do, it's okay with why. me. And I yes. always enjoy what she has to say. And I know this is kind of a namby-pamby oh. answer.
0: This is the language of abuse. This is the language of abuse, Bonnie. Just not
2: That's that. how I feel. And I don't want her to sit in a corner.
0: I wouldn't want to you do know anything why? that could be Because she has to sit
2: least. in 15% I, I, of that corner. That's why. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, All right, that's,
2: that's quite possible. I get why she wouldn't want to read it, I, to tell you the truth.
3: Wow, she hasn't even started it. I love it. it. I, I love it. <laughs> I love the language in it. I love... Uh, it's hard to dislike uh, Holden Caulfield. Uh, he, the little reasons why he says that he hates people, um, because they don't have good suitcases... Uh, or the way he he you know sort of dialogues with us the reader uh i think it's it's great it's hard to stop once you start um
0: wh- but when uh, are you going to start is my real question i did start question. that's
3: my that's my point <laughs> i did start and i yeah, Aww, and Yo turns the censorship okay. into a game okay. to <laughs> break it. That, 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 <laughs> that'll do, that'll do for With fake signatures. You that'll know do. what? Thank
0: you, thank you. Go
3: ahead, censure me. I, I'm proud of your You're censure. You're censured. I, I wear did. your censure like a badge of honor.
0: Well, you shouldn't. I do. You're just not reading the book club that, that, <laughs> that your, your friend and manager selected. Book club book that your friend and manager selected. She, and it that, that, your listeners, she didn't write that your it. listeners are reading. Yeah, you know what? That's why you should be ashamed, Paula Poundstone. Your listeners are reading this book.
3: When J.D. Salinger was alive and I wasn't reading uh, to a catch, Catcher of the Rye, he would call me in <laughs> tears. And you know, yeah. the man was known to be a recluse. Uh, so I yeah, would, yeah, a lot absolutely. of times, I would just hear like, <laughs> and I would go, Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> you know, he wouldn't say because he was so shy. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
0: Tony and Howell, tell me that you 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 read some of the.
5: I did. No, I read. Oh I wow!
0: Oh yeah. Honestly,
5: like, yeah. Hand to God. What? Did. Hand, don't did don't go
3: bring a religion into this.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I've been saying that uh, a lot. Hand to God. You. Thank
3: you, Mike Johnsonette. I made wow.
0: you, <laughs> Mike Johnsonette. <laughs> I, know.
3: I made uh, you I into walk. a female Mike Johnson by calling you Mike Johnsonette. Oh my God! Uh, hand to God. <laughs> that was that was a little weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She, she's acting out now John. that she's been censured.
3: <laughs> yeah. She yeah. is kind I, of I guy. like, whenever I hear Mike Johnson talk, I like to think to myself, yeah, your words to God's dick. That's kind of the way I think of it. <laughs>
0: Tony, Tony Nita Hall, what did you think of the chapter seven through nine of Catcher in So, you
5: know, when I, I, I remember liking this book in high school. And I think maybe I had, like, a little crush on Holden. Oh, wow. Oh, like, there's mm-hmm. some, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, he's a for bad boy. a multitude boy. of reasons, but I still yeah. have issues, yes. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's interesting, because we know he's going through some kind of breakdown. Yep. Right? And I feel like there are constantly little, I mean, like, little clues that are happening. Like, he, like, I wrote a couple things down. Like, he, he says something about, like, oh, when someone gives me a present, I feel sad. Yeah. And he says something like, he does refer to like unaliving himself. So like, you're kind of slowly seeing, yeah, but, uh,
0: but he also, in like chapter six, he does reveal that his brother recently got leukemia and died.
5: You know, well, but yeah, that's no, just him
0: that. whining. But, <laughs>
5: no, but I'm just saying, like, I think that there, I just think like, I feel like maybe it's just because I remember, because I've read, but like something is, is coming. obviously we know. Coming,
6: yeah. 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 Right. Like, yeah. No, or guess. watching
5: him kind of like, and he like leaves school and he goes to New York. Like, and then there was something he talks about sex rules that I thought, but then it's like yeah. also funny. That's what I think is so interesting. Like I think he's a, such a layered character and the sex rules thing like made me laugh out loud. Cause he's like, I always like won't have sex with women who are like a pain in my ass. And then I still do it yeah. anyway. And I was like, that's so relatable. It
0: was very relatable.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Tony,
5: but I know. Yeah. No,
3: Tony, Tony, what did you think? What did you think? Um about so
5: hot. I feel like I'm not no, hot uh, no,
3: no, no. I'm just wondering what did you <laughs> what did you think about the part where um he spends the rest of his time Cultivating boredom with his friend Dunbar and avoiding the attention of okay. the nurses okay. who dislike you. him.
0: You you don't have to answer <laughs> any questions from the from the censure corner.
5: Um, I will say I did listen to a couple of chapters. How? I just How do you? It. I thought no, it was not it out, out on our, our nobodies have
0: discovered that there are some illegal audiobook versions of.
5: Uh, I mean, oh, I just go- I just Googled. Listen to Catcher in the Rye. I and
0: did Tony, too. Um, I couldn't because well, you Tony live listened. a legal lifestyle, Bonnie. Uh, I
5: listened to the last. I listened to like eight, nine.
3: I think Tony listened to my my How reading of it. Well, that would be um, impossible because, because you, figured, in fact, haven't. So read long it, as I was reading it, which um, you aren't. that I should read it recorded. Um, uh, Tony, do you remember the part where um, he got the snot beat out of him by his roommate, That's and then he are just, just <laughs> quoting what I said do. a few room, minutes ago? And he <laughs> packs up, and then he walks to the train station, uh, and it's snowing out. And and then he Miss um, m- Palstone, you are squ-
0: making a mockery of this book club.
3: <laughs> then yeah, he meets his no, schoolmate's no, mom <laughs> <laughs> and tries to come on to her. By the way, I didn't think he tried to come on to her. I just thought that he was enjoying lying to her. Um,
0: and then he kept saying how sexy he thought she was, but he yeah, didn't say I that too good. hard. And then he, he asked her to have a drink like, with him I, yeah. in the drinking car.
5: Mom right? Yeah.
0: But I didn't yeah. think he was coming on yeah. to her either. Do, yeah. do, you, do you have yeah. sex with everyone that you have a drink with? I think when you, when you see somebody and observed yourself twice that you think they're <laughs> sexy and then invite Somewhere, them right? in the middle of the night to have a drink with you. Yeah. I think, I think that's kind of a come on.
5: Yeah, you, I think it was very
3: it, much, no, if you guys yeah. have sex with everyone that you have a drink with, then I would like to ask each of you to put down those salt licks you have. Oh, I see. <laughs> Bonnie Burns. Yeah, um, because that's gonna make you thirsty. Uh, uh, wait,
5: uh, on the on the audio book, I guess you can call it the too. The guy doesn't accent the whole though. What kind it? of accent? Oh,
3: what kind of accent?
5: Like I guess like kind of like a New Yorker.
0: Oh That ain't right. That ain't right type. at all. No. Yeah.
5: It's real weird. It really? And then he does like, he'll like go up, he'll like be like, Hi, I'm a girl.
0: Oh, wow. Well, wow. Like, no, you're listening to some kind uh, of yeah. janky, uh, you know, uh, unofficial. I know. No, no. <laughs>
3: it really should be done. It's sounds- It really should be done with a German accent. He got this not beat out of him. <laughs> By his roommate. Why did you hit me, Strattleto? You're my roommate. And he went to Ackley's room. He backs up, walks to the train. On <laughs> the train. I don't
5: remember how this yeah. You don't
3: remember how what ends?
5: The book. Well, why would you want to? I mean, it's not time to end the book. Sometimes if I'm watching movies or reading something, I'll look at a synopsis because I'm getting it. Okay, I'll tell
3: you how this <laughs> I'll tell you how the book ends. Oh the no. The Texan is very patriotic and classicist. <laughs> and his proclamations <laughs> about politics and the war, are great on the others on the ward. Yosarian
0: and Dunbar mark his views. Um that's how it ends. That, that, again, c- catch 22. Uh hey, Bonnie Burns. How did Sorry. you feel about no. your chapters? Well,
2: um, I still like when I'm reading the chapters. I'm going, oh, how many more pages is this before the next oh chapter? God. And I was glad I got to number nine, <laughs> but I, a couple of things, you know. the worst book club I in the world. I feel like, well, you know it what, this book kind of reminded me of <laughs> Edward Albee. Did anybody ever see yeah, the it's zoo great, Story? Great it's yes. a one-act play where there, it's the yeah. two guys sitting on yep. the park bench in the park. Way. I'm like, it's. It's like a different version of of the zoo story. Just talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, there's so much talking. And somewhere.
5: so, some, so <laughs> wild. There's, so, there's some place
2: in chapter eight where I started reading and I was like, this is really familiar. And then I remember when I was trying to get into the book when I was like in my 20s because we didn't read it in high school. That's where I'd skim through to. It just went, oh, chapter two is boring. I'll just try another chapter. And it ended up being parts of chapter eight. Uh, that's just, it's, I don't know how you ever got through school oh I was good in school oh but <laughs> I probably
0: had less going on as far as you know from your reading of your report card you did well in school yeah, yeah.
2: I <laughs> uh, she got a lot of C's. I was pep club president she,
3: she was, was pep, pep club, club yeah, president that's
2: true I know yeah. that's in
3: the past but I think we should bring it up
2: Okay, wait. I want to do my little part because oh, here's okay, what I go ahead. Think. Go ahead do your all part. All right. Okay. So you know, yeah. Now we know all his roommates, what he feels about the roommates, the guys in the dorm. I will say, for a guy who's like doesn't really fit in, he does initiate quite a few social
0: contacts. Yes.
2: Things. Right. I mean, he asks a woman yeah, on the train to go have a drink. He asks a roommate to go out with him. He's on the fencing team. But the other thing is, and this probably isn't going to sound great. You guys will get mad at me. Uh-oh. You know, this guy is a privileged guy. He's at, you know, a big mucky-muck school. He's got rich parents. He's been kicked out of all these other private schools. And I just, you know, there's this complaining of a privileged person in this book that I really think like, okay, like you're a middle-class per- Maybe, you know, you have to struggle more in life. You don't have time to... Yeah, uh, just focus so much on yourself, and I don't think he's a good lover because he's so self-involved.
0: Wow, well, he hasn't loved anybody um, <laughs> yet. So, are you just are you just yeah, warning sure. Tony to not sleep with him because I think that's okay?
2: <laughs> oh no, I just I don't know, and I'm trying to think if I read it in high school, would I have like really taken to the rebellion part yeah. of him? And I don't really know. I mean, the fact I that he's did. from such a higher class of people, it's kind of hard to identify with.
0: I, I understand that complaint. It's a problem in a lot of literature through the years. You know, people tend to write about privileged people, whether whether you're talking about succession or Hamlet. You have to give a shit about the problems of privileged people if you're going to enjoy any of those things. That's what I found in, in the book The Jungle. Uh, so much privilege. You know what? Instead of me giving my feedback here, because I don't, I don't want to. um, (laughs) No, no, no! I've got
2: something, guys, guys! I've got
0: something better in the remaining time that we have, which is this. Um, over on the uh, nobody listens to paula poundstone podcast fan club they've been discussing the book in a lot more depth than we have but one thing that really caught my eye and i want to just give you a couple of these ben bruning wrote the question how would holden caulfield describe nobody listens to paula poundstone and i want to read some of the answers to that question lisa alexander said it's a goddamn gallimaufry really that's what it is I just think that wow. is that That's is great. really great. Kelly Judd Lackey II said, it's too bad that so much crummy stuff is a lot of fun sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's I know, great. I know, I know. You see why I don't want to give my opinion of, uh, right now? Burl Lampert had a one-word uh, description of our show from Holden Caulfield, phony. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's not really true, but okay. Couldn't be more authentic.
0: Uh, uh, well, Jeff Young echoed that saying, phonies need to find their true selves. And I don't think that's exactly, yeah. That's oh. more of a dig at Bonnie, I think.
3: Oh, no. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, here's I think one I love. From, <laughs> yeah. You know what? He's, go, he's going into the past there.
0: <laughs> Stanley Morris wrote, that Paula, she reminds me of me. I think that's a great uh, Holden Caulfield description of our show. Linda Gracia says, even I could do a better oral report and I'm illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> Susan Spector says it depresses the hell out of me It depresses the hell out of me? Oh, yeah And there's more Again, I, I, I invite everybody to go check out our, oh, our, fan, our fan page That's really fun And with that, only one yeah. century this week um, And it, it was in a predictable place Although Paula seems to be stealthy reading the book That brings this I this week's book club to a close All right I am reading the book I am
3: <laughs> definitely well, reading. One patient on the ward is a soldier no, wrapped that's, entirely that's, in bandages. Okay,
0: that's uh, once again Catch Twenty Two. You know, Jonas Salk once said, "I pictured myself as a virus or a cancer cell and tried to sense what it would be like," which made for one of the worst Halloween parties ever. We'll explore the world of viruses when we come back. <laughs>
3: On this day in unremarkable history, Maximilian Berlitz said to his class of English speaking students, there is a fire and we must leave the building quickly. But he said it in French.
0: Hey everybody, as longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress, I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux.
3: Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners.
0: Go to com slash paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula, and use the code HELIXPARTNER20.
3: This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts
0: now. Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but (laughs) fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula, and if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Adam! Yes?
3: One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And the sixth one has started a podcast. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally checked learn a language off your list with Babbel.
0: Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. Don't do it. Or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. And, Paula, I got to say, I really appreciate the whole, like, getting phrases that are important to know in that language, right away, like how to order food, how to ask for directions, how to speak to merchants, and yeah. I really yeah. dig more than that the speech recognition technology because even if some of our listeners think that I have a weird cadence when I am attempting to speak Spanish, <laughs> I am <laughs> I am speaking it well enough for the Babbel app to understand what I'm saying, at least when I do it right, like this. Listen to this. Adiós, Carlos. Ya te vas? Sí, es tarde. Entonces, buenas noches. Hasta pronto. I don't think
3: you have a weird cadence. I think it sounds great. Thank you. Studies. From Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Yikes. And their football team is fantastic. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Is there some kind of special? Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription. Wow. But only for our listeners at babbel.com slash nobody.
0: If I'm not mistaken, Paula, that is 55% off at babbel.com slash nobody. The one spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com, and then you just add a slash and the word nobody, and it's 55% off? Yeah. Wow. Rules and restrictions may apply. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code adios hey guys it's adam and tonight is january 3rd and i am picking Jonas and to score less than 36 points and james harden to score more than 16 why because i like beards am i putting a lot of money on this i am not because i'm not really a gambler but i am having a lot of fun with prize picks prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, who I would lose to, you pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in, or in my case, not. So I don't bet a lot. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey had a 10.5 combo of three points made, plus receptions. Do I get that? Kind of a little bit. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. So... It's like an insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. That's prizepicks.com slash nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. And then drop by and see how I did with the Greek freak and harden again on January third. My hopes are not that high. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And we're back Thank you House band Ron Bellamy Sounding good on the bells
6: Woo.
0: All right Hey Paula Poundstone You're looking Healthy Oh, I am, madam. I got my COVID
3: vaccination a couple weeks ago. I still wear a mask in the airport and mostly in the theaters. I do do a meet and greet after my shows in the lobby where people can buy the Poundstone Pussy Pillow or my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, or my remarkably soft tri Blend t-shirt with my self-portrait on the left front breast and a memorable quote on the back, or people might want to take a picture. I take my mask off for pictures, but I don't breathe. A a ridiculously small percentage of us have gotten this new uh, COVID vaccine, which is supposed to be an especially good vaccine. Fucking anti-vaxxers. They won't be satisfied until they get us all killed. Not only that, now they're hacking away at the public's trust in vaccinations that have protected our children for years. Our collective memories of what life was like without those vaccines have disappeared. What we need, Adam, is someone who knows about infectious diseases, someone who knows the history of infectious diseases. I, I, I sure don't, but I, I could learn a lot from someone who does. I don't think I'll ever meet this history of infectious diseases genius <laughs> unless, unless they go to the dry cleaner on Chelsea Avenue. That's one of the only places I go. I'll tell you where I'm not going to meet them is on this shelved, dusty petri dish of a podcast. That's where.
0: Oh, Paula, yeah, again, if you just let me know what expert you're interested in talking about, I could I could book them. But yeah? instead, I booked Lawrence Hobby. Um, he's not the guy who draws the Garfield comic strip, but he's the guy who wrote a novel from the point of view of Garfield's friend slash rival Odie the dog. It's called O. Odie. And I don't think talk- I ever told you I wanted that. <laughs> No, you never did, but you never tell me. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, O.D. is next week. Oh, my God, Paula, by outstanding happenstance, you, our guest this week is the very expert you're looking for. Well, that's a coincidence soaked in a deep pan overnight. Ain't it? He is the author of Plagues Upon the Earth, Disease and the Course of Human History, a global history of infectious disease spanning from human origins to COVID-19. He's a professor at the University of Oklahoma, that's in Norman, and an expert on the history of infectious disease and climate change and their impact on human societies. Please welcome historian Kyle Harper. Hello. Hello. Hey, Carl, thanks so much for being here. Nice to Um, be here. Thanks for having me. Tell me the name of the class you
3: teach at uh,
1: University of Oklahoma. I am originally, by training, a Roman historian. So I teach a range of classes on the ancient world, the Roman Empire, the rise and fall of Rome, the spread of Christianity in the Roman world, ideas of law and justice in the ancient world. And uh, of course, here and there, work in some infectious disease history
3: of course you do who you can't resist that around the edges uh crimping around the edges with some infectious disease history all right here's uh, let's let's just jump right in is climate change a factor in our encounters with infectious diseases and if so
1: kyle how well that's the trillion dollar question it's a huge question we you would actually probably be surprised and maybe a little bit scared that an honest answer to that question is that we, we sort of know that yes, climate change and infectious diseases are linked, but we don't have a really solid understanding of all of the, the different ways in which they're linked and in which the, the future of climate change is likely to, to imperil us through its effect on diseases. The, the, the short answer is yes, clearly throughout the past Climate change uh, and disease have have been joined at the hip. The big plagues in the past have a really eerie connection with episodes of climate change. And uh, and so we have a lot of reasons to think that climate change affects disease vectors like mosquitoes. It affects the evolution of pathogens like viruses and bacteria that cause disease. It affects human behavior. It causes migration. Uh, It contributes to war. And so indirectly, through sort of its effects on human societies, really drives the the evolution of diseases.
0: Well, when things change, things evolve faster, right? Is that what's going on? Yes. Because they have to adapt.
1: Yes. Climate, so infectious diseases are all, all caused by some kind of little microbe that, that gets inside you and makes you sick. They, they come in different shapes and sizes, viruses, bacteria, protozoa, worms. Uh, they, they're they all products of evolution. They're constantly evolving. And of course, now COVID-19 has kind of given us a all a, a lesson. Everybody's an expert in viral evolution now, but it's real-time evolution. <laughs> right. It keeps on evolving. Uh, and climate change is just sort of an agitator. It always is stirring the pot. It's changing the environment and it's driving the, the evolutionary changes and in infectious diseases that ultimately contribute to their transmission to humans.
3: All right. You may or may not consider this related, but uh, I had a high school biology teacher that was from the South and she used to say protozoa. Uh, okay, um
0: <laughs> I would consider that unrelated <laughs> Like Tourette's <laughs> or, like she just blurted it out? Or? No, she just, bro- no, no It's just, yeah, just a funny way of saying Protosella. Protosella! Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> She'd wake up in the middle of the night screaming it <laughs>
3: Protozoa! Um, yeah, so Uh, so, um All right. So didn't Obama leave a program and a plan for dealing with an infectious disease epidemic that he believed was coming and didn't Trump get rid of it?
1: Yeah, that's that's certainly true. In 2016, the the outgoing Obama administration um, did produce a, a report on pandemic preparedness I mean, I would say the bigger context. Well, first of all, if if uh, that's not my biggest criticism of the the Trump administration's handling of the pandemic, because really they they did a lot wrong, and that's only one piece of it. But the the deeper story is just that everybody was was too complacent. Um, going back to the '90s, there was repeated warnings from experts who were not marginal people. I mean, the the National Academy of Medicine. Um, organized a blue ribbon panel in the early 90s and sort of said, wake up. Um, we we're way too complacent about the threat of reemerging or emerging infectious diseases. And we had warning after warning after warning. And for, for 25, 30 years, there was just a, a series of administrations that were way too complacent uh, about really getting serious about developing a, a pandemic preparedness policy. And yes, in 2016, the the outgoing Obama administration left a, a, a plan uh, that would have made us more prepared that. Uh, Was it a good plan? On. Yeah. I mean, I think it would have made some of the really easy wins easier, um, like having a uh, sufficient national supply of things like masks and gloves and some of the basic equipment.
0: Oh, all the supply chain issues. Yeah. Supply chain issues. Exactly. People people had to blow
3: Jared Kushner to get, to get stuff. No, Paula,
0: uh, that was voluntary on the part of a lot of people. Okay, my mistake.
3: No, but there was, um, they did have to kiss the ring. Uh, Some governors did in order to get uh, supplies, which was awful. And and, uh, all right, Kyle, what made those scientists um, uh, uh, sound the alarm all those years ago? Was it just because we hadn't had a pandemic in a while?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. Let me, let me, uh, back up a little bit too, and just remind us how recent the, the experience that, that we've all had the privilege to enjoy of living in a world where we don't live in constant fear of infectious disease mortality. That's only been the case for four or five generations down to about 1900. Most people, died of infectious diseases. So people died of dysentery, malaria, tuberculosis, typhoid. And it's only in the 20th century that um, the the world moves to a a place where most people die of chronic and degenerative diseases, cancer, cardiovascular disease, organ disease, and so on. And so we're very privileged to, to live after these great changes. And we can come back and talk about the importance of things like vaccines and science, Um, in freeing our species from, yeah, it's, it's a, it's kind of an important story. Um, and so we've only sort of had this tenuous, uh, hold over infectious diseases for 125 years or so. And in the mid 20th century, humans had been on a real winning streak. We'd really come up with a lot of great answers to the challenge of infectious disease and there was even a lot of hubris in the mid-20th century that, hey, we're going to get rid of all of them. We did get rid of exactly one. Uh, humans have driven one human disease to complete extinction, smallpox. It's a viral disease. It's a horrific disease. It was one of the worst diseases in the world. And we did. We drove it to complete extinction. Uh, and there was sort of a, a, an optimism. So there's no
3: way to get smallpox anymore?
1: Um, as long as we or the Russians aren't secretly keeping it in a lab, which I'm sure we would never do, you there is yeah, no. No, or put, it, ever, or put it on somebody's
3: blankets. That's not part. You know what human being would do that to another human being? No, after I'm sure all?
1: none. But but the the good news is you're you're basically right. We you, smallpox is gone. Um, wow. So save for intentional. I mean, but we've
0: really reduced a lot of other ones. We had some yeah. big wins over polio and measles. And, you know, we really huge, it it was a big winning streak.
1: We were on a great winning streak. And so people in the fifties and sixties, even in the seventies said, Oh my gosh, we can completely get rid of infectious disease. Um, and it sort of soon became apparent that that really wasn't the case that, um, that we could reduce infectious disease. We could drive some to extinction, but we could never get rid of them because of evolution. They're always going to fight back. They're always going to adapt and new ones are going to constantly move into human populations. So the big tragedy of, of health history in the 20th century is a new disease, AIDS, right? It, AIDS is about 100 years old now. Um, it's It was an emerging infectious disease that transmitted to humans in the early 20th century and caused the, the biggest global health catastrophe of the late 20th century. And that was one of the things that really caused scientists to wake up and say, new diseases are going to keep coming. And then they did keep coming. Uh, the Ebola virus, the first SARS. I mean, we are going to say another coronavirus almost caused a global pandemic less than 20 years ago. So um, the, the sort of alarms were sounded by people who were paying attention saying you can control infectious diseases. We've done an amazing job, but you can never become complacent and think that your tools are, are going to liberate you forever and completely.
0: Let me ask you, where do you think we are with COVID-19 now? I mean, uh, there are a lot of people who will say it's gone from a pandemic to more of an endemic thing. But do you think there's a there's a second act coming of more deadly strains of COVID-19? Or are we just in a somewhat quiescent period where people are getting complacent again? Or do we have a handle on how to handle this virus? Yeah, I do
1: think we can come back to this, but if we're complacent about something, it's probably complacent about the next pandemic um, that, that won't be COVID-19. But there will be another pandemic, and I think we're in some ways worse prepared than we were for, for COVID-19, which is extremely maddening.
0: And and that because of all the political pushback against the, the vaccines and whatnot? I
1: think as a historian, I think that when we look back on COVID with a little bit of hindsight, we'll say the Scientific response was actually beyond what we could have hoped for. I mean, I think if people are really able, to be honest, to have two highly safe and effective vaccines within a year is almost miraculous. Nobody actually thought that we could do that that fast.
3: How much was Trump responsible for that?
1: Um, I mean, I think we probably need like... Fifty years of hindsight to to have uh, a balance, um, because one of the weird things I think about COVID nineteen is that the scientific, the technical response was very good, and the social political response was so horrible.
3: But what in getting the vaccine? Uh, He used to at the very beginning before he became, you know, before he's pretending to be an anti-vaxxer at the very beginning, he was supposedly, you know, cracking the whip on the, you know, on the scientists to get that vaccine prepared. And if he did um, bring about getting quality vaccines faster than we ever were able to before, I would like to give him credit for
1: that. Yeah, I mean, I think putting tons of money and basically letting the big pharma companies just go make uh, an unholy amount of money to get that done yeah. probably in the grand scheme of things was was a good solution. Um, and yet, I would also emphasize too, it wasn't like the the big pharma companies just all of a sudden came up with the idea for mRNA viruses. That's based on tw- you know 20 years and more of unbelievable, really hard, laboratory drudgery, uh, by a lot of professors and their grad students and their lab assistants, um, who are doing basic research that, you know, people don't understand, you know, what is the value of that? Um, and yet way, 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 way down the road, all of that basic science is then translated, uh, by, by new scientists, by companies into, into products that save lives.
0: Let me just say that a former presidential candidate, Hubert Humphrey once said freedom is the most contagious virus known to man. Although a few years later, he added, well, that was before there was Saturday Night Fever.
6: <laughs> we will continue staying
0: alive when we come back. <laughs> the cat of the week is Eightball from Pixley, California. Congratulations, Eightball, and good luck. Uh.
3: The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality a podcast that's dismantling New Age cults, wellness grifters, and
0: conspiracy-mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar, and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They (laughs) dive deep into current events, such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem, with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light.
3: I highly recommend you check out conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism.
0: And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it.
3: I, I do. They're, they're fascinating. And my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that.
0: From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fun fact, it costs more money to make pennies than they're actually worth, which is ironically the same business model as podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back with Kyle Harper. Paula Poundstone, you look like a woman with more questions.
3: Um, Kyle, what was the last infectious disease epidemic before COVID nineteen, and how did we handle it? Was it Ooh. was it Ebola?
1: Well, there was uh, Zika virus. Oh there yeah. Was oh. Ebola two, Ebola one, uh, SARS one, uh, Marburg virus, West Nile virus, AIDS, polio. Um, there's just a, a train of new diseases. It's almost constant.
3: This is like a television history retrospective. I had forgotten about a lot of those.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, Zika had totally slipped my mind.
3: What happened to the kids who got Zika, by the way? Didn't they have like extended foreheads, like something brain happened to them?
1: Yeah, yeah, it caused congenital malformations.
3: Wow, wow. Um, all right, I realize this is a big bite to chew, but tell me about the Spanish flu. How did it start? What did it do to people health-wise? And what did it do to our society?
1: Yes, well, influenza is a is an interesting disease that, um, that we actually have some experience with because of seasonal flu. It's just so uh, prevalent in human populations that it's always circulating. It's always evolving, and it evolves in a very particular way because it has a kind of genome that's sort of like a mix and match. It's constantly breaking up. And so when you hear things like H1N1, that's... Um, two of the proteins, and there can be different numbers that go with the, the H and the, the N. So that's an effect of the, the fact that this virus is constantly shuffling uh, its proteins and changing the way that it looks to your immune system. Um, but from time to time, really fundamentally new strains emerge that can affect, infect humans uh, from animal populations. So like a lot of uh, diseases... Influenza has a lot of different forms, a lot of species, different lineages that are moving around in animal populations and human populations, constantly changing and recombining. Influenza is very prevalent in birds. Um, And it turns out that pigs are also very susceptible. Other animals are probably also susceptible. And from time to time, a strain will move, for instance, from avian populations into human populations.
3: How does it do that?
1: Yeah, you're exchanging uh, all kinds of microbes with with your dogs, um, with every animal that's around you. Um, mm-hmm. But actually life is really hard for microbes. Um, I'm not telling you to have any sympathy I, for I them. I was going to say, I don't <laughs> feel I don't bad know. for microbes. Don't <laughs> even. Your immune system is very, very, very good. And it has to involve uh, the, the tricks to figure out how to get inside your body. If it's a virus to get inside your cells, how to hide. And, Most of the time they can only do that for like birds and they can't do it for birds and humans, but every now and then there'll be a a lineage that is just good enough that it starts getting into human population. Avian influenza is a big, big ongoing risk for the next pandemic.
3: Can you bet on that in Vegas? You know how they say you can bet on probably, anything.
1: You can probably bet on anything. It's a prop bet.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: The, <laughs> the, the Eagles, the Eagles to win the Super Bowl by ten
0: and avian influenza, and um, the Eagles yeah. to cause a flu that wipes us out. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, exactly.
3: the Eagles to be the carriers of the avian <laughs> yeah. flu. I just feel there's got to be some way of profiting from this. Um, okay, uh, so wait, I interrupted the
1: Spanish influenza, um, which. Is a everybody knows is a bad name. It's just that the Spanish media wasn't forbidden from reporting on it. So the the news of the the pandemic first sort of surfaced in Spain, which had was really otherwise innocent in this uh, global outbreak. At the the end of World War One, when the world is there's lots of troops and people moving, um, societies are exhausted. They're poor. People are frail. Um, the the kind of global conditions were really ripe and then boom this terrible new um, strain of, of influenza moves into human populations somewhere. We don't actually really know where, um, because it spreads so quickly. And it's it's been difficult for historians really to pin down geographically, where did it come from? Uh, but it infected an unbelievable number of, of people across the globe. It killed over 50 million people, wow. probably conservatively. And one of the things that was weird about it, and I think this is a very big contrast with COVID-19. I think our experience with COVID-19 would have been politically very, very different. COVID-19 is much, much riskier for people who have preexisting conditions or old people. The Spanish influenza was very, very different in that the many of the highest risk um, cohorts were people who were healthy, including especially young people and young adults. Why? Well, scarily, this isn't totally understood, but the best explanation seems to be that it causes uh, a very severe immune response and particularly in cases of co-infection with bacterial pneumonia and so we think that most of the people who who died probably had extreme immune reactions that were partly caused by the, the co-infection of the, the virus and the bacteria
0: that reminds me of uh, the covid vaccine there were a lot of people who were saying that the, the covid vaccine was causing worse side effects in people who were really really healthy because of the same thing was there any truth to that there is
1: some way in which that can be true, although usually also healthy people also have immune systems that auto-regulate effectively, so it can be can be pushed a little bit too far. But in the Spanish influenza, it's very clear that many of the highest-risk people, a lot of the people who died were young adults, and um, that definitely affected the way people perceived it. I honestly think if COVID-19 caused really, really severe disease in children, the way people, the way our society thought of it would be very, very different.
3: What did the Spanish flu do to society? Did it cause... Uh, you know, changes in the way people felt towards one another?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things you, you learn studying the history of infectious disease is that there's no simple answer to that because the the effects of, of a pandemic on a society are so different and so variable. Some societies handle it well and they come together. Others sort of spin into crisis. Usually there's there's scapegoating. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the weird things about the, the COVID, I mean, the Spanish flu, the 1918 flu had um, definitely had economic effects um, into the 20s and really stalled the emergence, um, the the recovery of the world out of the the First World War, Um, and in many cases had long-term economic effects. One of the other strange things about the the 1918 influenza is there's almost a a kind of an agreement to stop talking about it. Um, And in in the 20s, it sort of fell slowly into oblivion. And, um, and we've become interested in it as a sort of precursor to COVID. Um, and there are historians who've been working on it before, but um, it, it's a weird pandemic because it killed so many people, but it kind of... Everybody was, the story goes, everybody was exhausted from World War I and the 20s, people were ready to have fun and, and the jazz age. That's probably a little cartoonish, but it's also probably a little bit true.
0: That feels true. And I know that that's not how you historians approach it, but it really feels true that like, there was this giant human event that's more interesting to talk about than a flu that happened and, and people just needed to be done with that. Yeah.
3: It's a little bit like um, how society treated Mike Pence. Uh, just, we just agreed to stop talking about him, and uh, yeah,
0: happened in his household too. Yeah, that could be. Sad, you know, there sadder. may be some
3: wisdom to that. I don't know. Um, there, there are some people who don't want to vaccinate their kids for the childhood diseases that schools have been requiring for years. Why did they come up with a vaccine, for example, for measles? When I was a kid, you could get measles. What, what was life like with measles?
1: The Vaccines uh, are developed in the, the late, very late 18th century and the Enlightenment. Edward Jenner, who's one of the great, I think, heroes in the history of science, um, is, a, is a doctor and a scientist who investigates and discovers you can help people not get infected by this horrible disease, smallpox, which killed a really unfathomable percentage of all children. Basically, it was unstoppable. It's a viral disease. Everybody got it. And you know, most families would have probably had, on average, a, a child that they lost to smallpox, right? I mean, it's it's just almost a universal suffering. And he figures out that you can introduce cowpox, which is a closely related disease, but much less harmful to humans. Um, and yet the body would develop... Uh, resistance to infection by smallpox. Um, he didn't understand the immune system, but he, but he did careful experiments, um, to observe what happened. And it's probably the first really, really, really unambiguously good thing that medicine ever did. Um, at least it turned the tide. Medicine was probably more harmful to you than helpful. Um, um, for a long time, you know, bloodletting and all the pharmaceuticals they had are mostly just poisonous chemicals. But, Um, or, or placebos, but, um, but Jenner is sort of like the big breakthrough. And that is a, is a discovery that I think did more than anything to free humans from suffering death from the psychological trauma of, of such universal sickness and and loss of particularly of, of young people. Smallpox was the first one. It actually took a long, long time for there to be, other vaccines that were useful against other infectious diseases. Um, But by the late 19th century, there's a systematic effort to find new vaccines. We also develop other tools. And so to go back to the fact that it's only been about 125 years since more people have died of non-infectious causes um, than infectious causes, vaccines are one tool in our arsenal. We have a lot of tools. We have Clean water, which probably the number one thing you would want is to have water treatment um, because so many diseases are spread uh, via what's called the fecal-oral route um, of getting in from the digestive tract. Oh, we get it. <laughs> one person to <laughs> the next.
0: Um, no, 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 it, good, It's yeah, good. Yeah, we got it's, it. He's it. a famous show. I don't wanna, uh, the, it's not, <laughs> but still. Um, so
1: water treatment, vaccines, and then late in the day, antibiotics, um, oral rehydration therapy. You know, we have these... These big, big tools, but vaccines are the single most important tool in that arsenal that keeps us as a society safe from infectious diseases because we use it against, particularly against pathogens where we don't have other options, um, uh-huh. and so particularly viruses, but not only um, that that we really need to use the vaccine to stop. And measles, measles is a pretty nasty disease, although. It, by the mid 20th century in wealthy societies like the United States, almost everybody got measles. Um, and very few people died of it. Although it's a pretty nasty disease. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of over there by the flu and particularly in poor societies, it's a, it's a scourge. Um, and historically in times when people were much poorer, measles caused a lot of death. Um, but we develop these vaccines um, because they're, in many cases, the best or only tool we have against really dangerous diseases that cause serious um, sickness and death. And um, you know, smallpox is one, measles is another. Of course, rubella and um, and, and so on. And um, vaccines, sort of in the twentieth century, became in America and many most um, developed societies um, effectively universal. People trusted institutions. They trusted the family doctor. They trusted if your doctor said you need to get this, um, they got it. And I'll also say that there's, you know, history is weird. It's very contingent. A huge, huge factor in this was polio. Polio is also kind of a new disease. Um, it, it sort of comes out of nowhere in the early 20th century. And it was absolutely terrifying because it caused severe disease in children. It left many, many children paralyzed for life. And it was scary because you couldn't stop it. You didn't know where it was. You got it in water. You got it in pools. Is that where it came from? Was from water? It, it's a fecal oral disease, and so uh-huh. in shared um, in shared water environments, water systems, um, it could spread. And
3: did Bob Woodward know about that and not tell us for a long time
1: too? <laughs> no, I, I think uh, <laughs> I don't it, think you can pin this one on Woodward. You know, you look <laughs> but you look back at the at the way society reacted. You know, Jonas Salk was played a critical role in developing vaccines an absolute hero. Um, yeah. because it, it, it relieved parents of their single greatest fear. And so people trusted institutions, the experience of polio and sort of quietly vaccines became sort of universal. And, um, mm-hmm. and like, I think as a society, we're so polarized you have to admit like, okay, the government being able to tell you that you have to take a medicine or that you have to stick something in your body. Like, I understand that's a, that's a serious power and it ought to be very carefully considered to, to put that power in the hands of a government. So I think you can be sympathetic about that, but then still ask, but look, we live in a society we're connected to each other. The reason why you get vaccinated is to protect yourself, but it's also because population health matters because yeah. Even The measles vaccine is one of the most effective vaccines It's not perfect There's no such thing as a perfect vaccine um, It works because if everybody gets it Then it doesn't have anywhere to go It can't spread
0: That's the herd immunity concept Herd immunity, absolutely It seems like people just don't understand that anymore People just think yeah. that a vaccine is a medicine That I can take or not take to keep me healthy
1: Right No, no. Your, your decisions affect me My decisions affect you
3: I think people understand it they just, don't, they just don't care. I, I, I think that people, uh, you know, feel that they're, somehow their personal freedom uh, – some people feel that their personal freedom outstrips, you know, the need to care about their neighbor. Yeah.
0: Um, but and- that's what it, fe- it feels like, like everybody now is just saying, like, you know, if I feel like drilling a hole in the boat under my seat – I'm allowed to. I was, just why, about to why, why, why? I was
3: just about to say, you know, this idea of, you know, herd immunity and I get the vaccine so that you don't get sick. We're we're a country who recently have come to blows over putting your seat back or forward on the airplane. And,
1: <laughs> and,
3: and it only goes back an inch, for God's sake. So I'm not sure wait, whose wait. side I'm on in that
1: argument. Paula, I need to know, where, where do you stand on that?
6: What are I, the I,
3: I, of this? Well, I, I'm not sure. I do feel that the seat does not go back far enough to make anyone comfortable. So I'm not sure why you would need to put it back. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I've I'm seen- against
0: reclining seats. I I I, I think it, it's it's just a recipe for disaster. If the
1: person in front of you reclines, can you recline too? Or do you have to well, I don't. starts
3: a chain reaction. I personally yeah. never put my seat back, and i I could give a shit if the person in front of me does or not. But my point is that these literally people come to blows <laughs> over this and you know, delay yeah. their flights. People miss weddings. They miss their kids' graduation <laughs> because somebody had a fuss about putting a seat back an inch in front of them, which tells me that we're just, Not going to ever be able to handle the vaccine argument anymore. I I think there was a time, obviously, where we could. I never, you know, when my kids were in school, it never even occurred to me, like, that they shouldn't get their vaccinations. I was just like, Uh, yeah, that's the thing that you do. Exactly. Uh, You
1: trusted that, you know, the the institutions that we enjoy as a society, where there are smart people, caring people, level headed people who are experts, who are looking out and carefully considering um, this was good enough. And that, that broke down. It started to break down before COVID. Um, And there were, again, there were some people signaling, you know, sending the alarms, but COVID just threw fuel on that fire. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you put it out right now, Uh, but it's very dangerous. Um, We are in it together. Our decisions affect each other. Vaccines freed humanity from suffering and early death and they're our most important tool. So we need to as a society depolarize that issue because if it's caught up in the kind of tribal polarisms of our society, it's it is totally hopeless. Yeah.
0: yeah, half a vaccinated society doesn't really that's not a vaccinated society.
1: No.
3: No, well, Kyle, uh, this was great.
0: Fantastic! Yes, author, professor, and historian Kyle Harper. Everybody, let's hear it for him. Well, Thank, thank you. you so much for coming on our podcast. Kyle,
3: thank can you. I ask you to just move your
0: seat forward a little bit? <laughs> coming up, Auntie Ann twisted pretzels. Auntie M dodged twisters. My aunt Frida did the twist. You share tales of your own twisted aunties when we come back. Now, a news update from the dental chair.
4: After his expulsion, George says, who from the House of Representatives on a jetpack?
0: He says. <laughs> <coughs> this has been a news update from the dental chair.
3: Hey, it's just me, Paula Boundstone. I want to tell you about a headgum podcast I think you're going to love. Fake the Nation with Nagin Farsad, which I've done a few times now. So much fun. You may know Nagin from her TED Talk, from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, or her book, How to Make White People Laugh. On Fake the Nation, Nagin and a rotating cast of her funniest, smartest, and most politically astute friends, people like Samantha B. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Paula Poundstone, Larry <laughs> Wilmore, Margaret Cho, and more break down the news, make you laugh, think, and deliver a gut punch to humanity. Wait, do we really want to deliver a gut punch to you? I thought we wanted to uplift humanity, support, uh, (laughs) protect humanity. But apparently Nagin has gone over to the dark side. I'll tell you, I I have had so much fun doing this show. Nagin tells me that one time I role-played Naomi Osaka's publicist. I don't recall that at all, uh, but... I'm going to have to go back to that episode and listen to it because it sounds funny. Uh, Uprox calls Fake the Nation the perfect lighthearted fit for a newsy podcast queue that needs a little levity. Meaning the news needs a little levity, <laughs> not the podcast because it is very funny subscribe now so you don't miss another episode of fake the nation airing every thursday find it on spotify apple podcasts pocket casts or and i hate this phrase wherever you listen to podcasts like none of
4: us (laughs) would figure that out jesus get ready for the miracle of mega a comedy podcast from the staff of a fictional mega church.
0: And and not only does he f***, but he's the best at it.
4: I'm Holly Loren,
0: And I'm Greg Hess.
4: Our characters, Holly and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Ackerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Scheer, Jason Manzoukas, Cecily Strong, and Duncan
0: Trussell. I just love to think about that the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe, maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat?
4: It's completely improvised, and it's devilishly funny.
5: Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ?
4: I guess, how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday. Listen and subscribe to Mega, wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I ever had. Y'all could do it. Y'all could do it. Y'all sing along. You know what I'm saying? Here you go. Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're, you're the you best. You to be the best. Jesus, you're, Jesus, the, you're the best. The be- oh, okay, best never mind. Best I ever
0: had. Best wow.
6: I ever had.
0: Thank you, Ron Bellamy. And we're back with Ron Bellamy and everybody else here. Here we are. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Ron. And you know what? If you're listening to Ron Bellamy and saying like, okay, I don't run a bell choir, but I do some stuff with music. Maybe you're our next house band. We're booking new house bands for 2024. If you or someone you know would like to play for the show... Email our producer, Julie. You can find her at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com for details. And speaking of music, we're always looking for theme songs. That's right. <laughs> Five years in, we still haven't found the one that's right for us. So if you want to write and record one of those for no money, just the way we do it, <laughs> just send that to Julie <laughs> at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that's a chance that it could be featured on this here podcast. Adam. Yes? I've written a letter. Uh,
3: I'd like to read it. Letters I've written, never meaning to send. Dear Weights and Measures Division of the U.S. Government, I'm sure the current glut of corporate price gouging, disguised as inflation, has you quite busy. I'm practically positive that the same bag of cookies I've been buying for years has far fewer cookies in it than it used to, so I'm sure that's keeping you on your toes. But I was hoping you could do something about time. It's supposed to be standardized, but who checks? Something is off. My son first brought it to my attention when he started taking cello lessons in the fourth grade. I would allow him an hour on the computer after he finished his 20 minutes of cello practice. He would yell and scream about the interminable cello time and swear that he had just started on the computer when his allowed hour was up. I I didn't believe him at the time, but his premise was that cello minutes were longer than computer minutes. (laughs) I see it now, though, and someone needs to look into it. Take walking the dog. It's been happening gradually, so I didn't notice right away, but I walked the dog for an hour in 20 minutes yesterday. Every time the pilot announces proudly that we've landed early, we arrive late. Looking back, I realize it took me forever to turn 17, And yet my kids turned 17 practically overnight. Is it a declination thing? Is there a time meniscus? Did someone accidentally hit a button when they were trying to turn off the alarm? Something's wrong. Trump's four years as president took a lifetime and Biden's is almost up and it started last Tuesday. I know it did. I cried tears of relief all night. My face is still puffy. Thank you in advance for your interest in this matter. Please get back to me at your soonest. Yours, Paula Poundstone, of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast.
0: Uh, Paula, are you going to mail that, or or are you going to keep that? Well... (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a real chance you could make a difference there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm on to something, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. There's some monkey business going on with time. I couldn't agree with you more. Hey, speaking of times and places, Paula, you (laughs) are someone who travels all over the space-time continuum, right? You're in different places at different times. It's true, Adam. You know,
3: also, people can't help themselves from playing depressing holiday music both over the PA, in public places, and in the privacy of their own homes. I'm not talking about all holiday music. I'm talking about depressing holiday music. You know, I'll be home for Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have got to fight back with laughs. Fortunately, I'll be in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, at Tower Theater on Friday, December 15th. Get your tickets, get your laughs. Go to PaulaPoundstone.com and, ah, shit. Go to PaulaPoundstone.com. <laughs> You can count on me. (laughs) Oh, hold on, San Antonio, Texas. I'm coming. I'll be at the Empire Theater on Saturday, December 16th. Get your tickets. Get your laughs. Go to paulapoundstone.com. There'll be snow and mistletoe. (laughs) Stay strong, El Cajon, California. I'll be at the Magnolia on Friday, December 22nd. Get your tickets. Get your laughs. Go to PaulaPoundstone.com. If only in their dreams.
6: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Don't do that, Paula. okay and uh, i have two quick plugs the two things i want to plug very quickly one of them is we're having time. some real take your time
3: you plug no, no no for as long as you want no no, one- no 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 please i insist no i never i
0: never stop hearing about it i'm going to speak as quickly as possible no, I urge don't be silly to let people it understand it at four times what speed you're saying right now. No, no 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 the first thing i want to plug <laughs> is we are having a blast over at the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Patreon page. And I urge anybody who's thinking of, hey, I would love to support that podcast, and for some reason, the one to two hours I get weekly isn't enough. I want more. Um, we're having a ton of fun making extra stuff, so um, there's extra mailbag, there's extra video. Uh, this week, by the time you hear this, you probably will have seen, I'm posting a uh, uh, Paula Poundstone and I did a recap last week of, of the show at the end, and there was a, there was a lot to talk over so there's yeah. a video recap that you could see so just go to patreon.com uh, search nobody listens to paula poundstone and please become one of our patreons all right the other thing i want to <laughs> plug stark raving reviews it's a really good podcast i shall say no more about it hey everybody it's time to move on no, back up back up <laughs> no, no 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 what no, no, the that's hell all, that's is, all i want to say what the hell is stark raving reviews it's a new, very quick, tightly written, fast, funny podcast, which, wherein me and my partners, who I shall not name, review movies.
3: Adam, there's no yes. reason why you have to rush through. Take your time. Yeah. Language. I, I, I you're, don't you're, feel you,
0: comfortable talking about my podcast, <laughs> uh, say, my other podcast. Your
3: podcast, Stark yeah. Raving Reviews,
0: doesn't have yes. to be short. It can be long. Take your time. No, it, it's a short podcast, and, and so is this promo for it Stark Raving Reviews. Very, very funny stuff. No, Tony, I'm not going to say the name Andre Dubouche.
5: I think about Bonnie always being like, talk about people we don't know. Wait,
3: no, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, Stark Raving Reviews also has uh, Andre Dubouche?
0: It does. It does indeed have.
3: That's fantastic. The and legendary
0: Andrew Dubouche on it. Yes, that's, it does. And Adam Spiegelman. I, that's great. Yeah. The,
3: and Adam yeah. Spiegelman.
0: Oh, yeah. Wait a
3: minute. Felber, Spiegelman, and Dubouche together in one <laughs> <It does>. short, <laughs> on, crisp on one, podcast? That is the case. That sounds like a lot of fun.
6: Well, give
0: it a listen sometime.
3: Absolutely, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm so glad you brought it up. I am too now. Um, and and I'm going to quickly move on though, just lest this feeling change. Um, it's time for auntie stories. Now, here's the thing: I don't know whether you say auntie or auntie out there, but everybody has aunts, and um, or some of us do, and many people have stories about them. A, A year or two ago, we started collecting stories of aunties from our listeners. And it turned out for some weird reason to be a really, really satisfying segment. Let's see if we can keep that satisfaction up because we just solicited a new round of auntie stories. Hit the theme song. Oh, We're supposed to have a theme (laughs) song? That was it. That was a
3: theme song. Perfect. That was a good one. Perfect. Thank you, Auntie Bonnie. Yeah. All right. I wonder (laughs) if Ron Bellamy has any ant story music.
0: There we go. That sounded fantastic. Thank you, Ron. Hey, uh, Tony Anita Hall, step on up to the microphone and tell us some of the auntie stories that have been told to us by our
5: listeners. The first one is from Tim Bridgman. Tim writes, My great aunt used to love to paint pictures of animals. One day, me and my cousins were over at our house and went to the kitchen to get something out of the freezer. Inside, we found a dead raccoon. It was... That day that I was told that she would occasionally collect intact roadkill and put them in the freezer to pose and paint later. She was a fun great aunt to have.
3: Wow. Wow. Speaking of the transmission of viruses from animals to people, I want to thank. (laughs) He doesn't say her name. He doesn't say
0: her But the Bridgman auntie is clearly responsible for several disease vectors in some part of the United States. Yeah. Um, now, I wow. can understand freezing an animal to do taxidermy later, but Tim doesn't mention any taxidermy. It just says she froze the animals.
3: Yeah, yeah. To uh, So that she could paint them? Was that it? She could paint
0: them? Yeah, to, to pose and paint. Wow. Huh. Tim, I almost want to ask a follow up question there as to was there actual taxidermy involved or did she just pose them as they thought? Yeah.
3: Yeah. She just posed them. She, you know, that. remember that famous painting of the raccoon with its eyes real big as a car came towards it?
0: That was hers. That was. Uh, Wow. Anti, anti yeah.
3: Bridgman's, uh, anti. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a
0: well-known artistic technique. Not a lot of people know this, but the the Mona Lisa was uh, some uh, a poor woman who had passed away, and uh, Leonardo yeah, fro- was, froze her and posed yeah, she her. was refrigerated. Well, of course, this is before yeah, the, refrigeration, so it's just
3: a lot. Just it just she came. was chilled. Well, <laughs> they had to just keep her in the ice machine, Uh yeah. because it was before refrigeration, so they just had to have the ice keep falling on her.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful yeah, in story In art schools Tim, thank they you. refer to that as the uh, frozen pose Okay so uh, Tony What else do we got? <laughs>
5: More auntie stories We have a, Jeannie Brody writes My father came home with a typewriter after Visiting my great aunt He said Aunt Lillian was giving it To me as a high school graduation present Before I got a chance to thank her The police showed up Saying that my aunt reported that dad Had stolen her typewriter Dad was flabbergasted
3: <laughs> wow Wait, the story just ends there?
0: Yeah
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like we need follow up from both submissions so far Wait,
3: who is this from, Gene? Jean?
0: Jeannie Brody. Brody
3: Jeannie, Jeannie. so you don't tell the stories Of you visiting dad in the slammer You don't tell You don't, you don't tell about the family money all of going to to the lawyers trying to... You don't tell about the (laughs) series of office supply stores that your dad knocked over before he stole (laughs) your aunt's typewriter. I'm shocked. This is such a... How can you stop the
0: story there? I'm I'm curious. Did the dad just grab the typewriter and leave? Or was, at this point in her life, maybe uh, great-aunt Lillian was... uh, kind of losing her marbles a little bit, gave away the typewriter, and forgot. I think either one of those are possible.
3: You know, it's also possible that Jeannie Brody has a very active imagination. <laughs> oh, Jeannie. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a big possibility. Wow, what a story. I know that Stephen <laughs> Grace was an only child, but was he born to only parents, or did they have, uh, did he have an aunt? That's what I'm trying to say.
5: Steven did have an aunt. And it was his aunt Pat, whose family, which was his mom's sister, her husband and three kids all under 16, were having a rough time. Wait,
3: it's his mom's sister and her husband so, was so, yeah. so the under 16? Sister, okay,
5: you got to be older to
3: have children or you're going to struggle gotta, financially.
5: Yeah. So, <laughs> grandmother told them they could put their double wide trailer on her large lot beside her house. My mom commented to my grandmother that maybe it wasn't a good example for Pat's kids to see their mom live off others instead of just getting better jobs to afford their own land someday. The next time we visited my grandmother, Pat threw tomatoes at my mom, and the two haven't spoken to each other now for 40 years. Their brother now owns the house, and Pat is still right beside it.
3: Wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. You know, one of the things about Aunt Pat is she has a
0: hell of an arm. She sure does. And she, uh, you know, she might have been poor, but she could afford a few tomatoes to toss. Yeah, I can't. i got to say, you know, I don't like to take sides in family disputes, but, you know, you got a family of five. They're having tough times financially. Yeah. they they move their double wide next to a house, and the first thing even Grace's mom does is say to, the, to say to his mother, "You know, maybe it's not a good example for the children. Uh, maybe they should get a job." I, that just Stephen, I I love you because you're a nobody, and and, yeah. and and I love you a lot. But I feel like your mom shouldn't have done that.
3: You know, I'll tell you something. <laughs> Stephen also cut the story off really before he had gotten to the climax, which is that he has three cousins now uh, that are all uh, major league ball players. Because the good example that Aunt Pat did set was how to fucking chuck something. And
0: uh, that is a beautiful story, Stephen. Thank you. Um, I really do appreciate it. And and it, it was great that that story could get through to me because all I'm doing is sitting here thinking, what color would you paint a raccoon?
3: Oh no, she didn't paint. Oh no, I'm still stuck on that. She painted the raccoon. No, 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 no. I mean I'm stuck on that first story. I'm trying to
0: understand how you would paint a raccoon. What would you? What would you paint it? No, it was on the canvas. She
3: painted on a canvas a picture of the raccoon. Oh, Oh. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So, okay. Clearly, an art school (laughs) dropout.
0: (laughs) Clearly, never really made it very far. She put them in the freezer to pose and paint later. I think Ugh. she was painting raccoons. Yeah. Uh, you know And you I, think she was painting raccoons? Years ago, I <laughs> uh-huh. I lived
3: in a house in San Francisco Originally, I lived with with Dana Carvey and his wife, and then uh, they they'd had enough of me. They left, um, but then his brother no, pretty, that's pretty much true. But then his uh, his, his brother imagine. Scott moved in, who I really loved, and uh, Scott and I used to Scott uh, Carvey, uh, uh, Scott Carvey. Scott and I used to have uh, what we referred to as the Stouffer's Library in the freezer, which was literally just uh, a, a whole long row. Of Stouffer's frozen dinners lined up one beside the other, like on a bookshelf. Uh, And uh, I'm thinking now about uh, Tim Bridgman's aunt uh, with, uh, you know, Stouffer's turkey tetrazzini, Stouffer's Swedish meatballs, raccoon, Stouffer's spaghetti, (laughs) Stouffer's pot pie. Yum! Um, You know... Mm. I know that Carolyn Fetzko didn't even have an aunt, which, you know. No, she never knew uh, anybody in her family. Sorry, Carolyn. She was uh, found in an
0: orphanage, I think. Yeah,
3: it would have been great for you to have an aunt. I'm sorry that
0: you didn't.
5: No, Carolyn does have an aunt. Oh, my mistake. Uh, Does she
0: have a story about said aunt?
5: She does, Adam. So my aunt lived (laughs) in a very rural part of Illinois, and when she went for a driver's license, she went a couple blocks and ended up in a ditch. They gave her her driver's license.
3: Wow, that, that because that's part of rural Illinois driving. <laughs> you know, anybody, yeah. anybody can can get somewhere on the road, but who can navigate the ditch? You know, Can safely. Can you get yourself, let's safely. say you're driving
0: drunk. Let's say, God forbid, you're driving drunk. Can you navigate safely into a ditch?
3: Yeah. Can no, we feel confident that to, on your way no, home from
0: the No, bar. I think this is
3: an alcohol-free story. Um, this is, is just- it? You know, there's a lot of ditches in rural areas, you know. <laughs> um, yes. I'll tell you, there's parts of Florida- Uh, Well, Orlando, for example, I guess you couldn't call that rural, but uh, where there is. No, that would be the opposite of rural. There's sort of a gully on each side of the road. And what people don't realize about uh, Florida is it rains every goddamn day. And um, it rains so hard that the whole highway will flood Uh, and alligators from the gully on one side of the highway will float over To the gully on the other side of the highway. This is why it's very important to know how to drive in a ditch. I realize that Illinois and Florida are different places. I feel like a lot
0: of our fans are going to be writing in and complaining that Paula Poundstone is conflating ditches with gullies. Uh, Ditch slash gully. (laughs)
3: Ditch slash gully. Um, Uh, Can you do that? I don't know. So they still gave her a driver's license. Wow.
0: Yeah, Um, I love that. I love that. When
3: I took my— Driving test in the car The uh, after, you know, I'd done the thing. The guy asked to see my birth certificate and I handed it to him, the driving, uh, you know, the test giver. And he saw that I was born in Alabama and he said, It's no wonder you're so stupid. So no. that was. Oh, yeah. my
5: God. Oh, come yeah.
3: on. Yeah. And I just. Uh, That's
5: so rude. And yeah. Mean.
3: I just. I just took it. I just wanted my license. I'm like, yep, yep, that's why I'm stupid. Thanks, I'll take that license. I,
0: I failed my first driver's test uh, because um, the, the guy got in the car and turned on like an AM radio station that I hated. And uh, our Barry Manilow song came on. It was Weekend in New England, which has a nice melody, but it was not my kind of music at the time. And I sang it at the top of my lungs as I drove. Wow. <laughs> the test. Does, does, why does
5: that wow. surprise me? He's yeah, failed the test so, He was right, just so, writing
0: in shit that he was deducting Things that no. hadn't happened on the oh, test so like you, you th- are not oh, passing the oh, test
3: bullshit. <laughs> bullshit So you're <laughs> suggesting that you were Obnoxious
0: to your test giver But you were, your driving was all great and I don't was think it was j- great But it definitely wasn't Failed the driver's test bad it was, okay. all right. it was more or less It was definitely a passing test No oh, doubt about it you I don't know that
3: if you didn't know what you did wrong, then how would you know it was a passing test? I can tell you one thing: you weren't very observant. Because do you recall <laughs> that the test giver's name was Mister Manalo? Do you remember that?
0: Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
3: Maronica. Yeah. Um, yeah. No.
0: No. No. You got me. You got me there.
3: Um, Becky Ross. Uh, who's- when
0: will our eyes meet?
3: Whose aunt was Betsy Ross? When <laughs> so this can is, I
0: touch you?
3: What? On, is that the song?
0: When will this strong yearning end? <laughs> and when can I hold you again?
6: Well,
3: you flunked the you podcast. Fail, you'd fail me for I
0: that. I tell you. Yeah.
3: Yeah, right, Be- right,
0: so so we got Betsy Ross's cousin Becky. Does she have no. an aunt?
3: No. This is no. Betsy Ross's no Becky Ross, who is Betsy Ross's
0: niece. Oh, so this is a story about Betsy Ross.
5: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> My aunt gave birth to her second baby by herself in the country without a phone and a toddler to tend to. When asked if she was scared, said no. Even though her best friend died
3: in childbirth, (laughs) it's a happy story that Tony has. (laughs) I can understand why this
0: is breaking you up, Tony. What the hell?
3: Tony has been able to understand (laughs) the, you know, the underlying story, the backstory, the symbolism, where when your best friend dies in (laughs) childbirth, it can be, you know, light. Uh, thank you, Tony. Wow, um, well, we didn't even get okay. through
0: that story, Tony.
3: No, we. I, okay, so what Becky isn't relating in her story? So this was Betsy Ross. They, they, yeah, they, they, they didn't tough as nails, Ross. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't have. Uh, 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 you know, they they didn't have phones yet, and and people had tons of kids back then because they needed them to help with the farming. And and they gave birth by themselves. So really, Becky, this is, you know, back in those days, uh, that's how people lived. Yeah. People died in childbirth all the time.
0: Uh, So let me let me let me just try to read the entire sentence that was too funny for Tony to get through, which is which is this. And I just want you to imagine what what was going on in Tony Anita Hall's head that this became too funny to read. Here it is. When asked if she was scared, said no, even though her best friend had died in childbirth a few months earlier. (laughs) I can see how that would make Tony laugh until she literally couldn't (laughs) breathe. Tony, Tony yeah, but this for those is, of you who can't this see what's going on, Tony is, is choking with laughter <laughs> okay, still at the suffering. But this at, is so All right, of, but of this a, more
3: uh, sort of a slapstick, you know, broad, broad <laughs> comedy story, it's you not,
5: know. Clear
0: <laughs> what, Tony? <laughs> <It's not> Tony, <laughs> what's going on with you? <laughs> 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 it's so weird. It's not the I, f- I <laughs> don't what? What <an> understand. <laughs> what? This woman what lost saying? her best friend to childbirth. <laughs> and then a few months so later was.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
6: what?
5: I see what, what Tony
3: is. I see what Tony's saying. <laughs> is that this, uh, Becky, in terms of tone, Becky, you may notice um, that. You know, one person talked about their nutty aunt with a raccoon in the freezer and another person's aunt uh, threw tomatoes at their mom and somebody's aunt drove into a, a ditch and still got their license. And then we come to your aunt's best friend dying in childbirth. I Is see, that what it was, Tony? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, okay. a, there's a total change here so that if you're not expecting it,
0: <laughs> and and your job is to read these stories on a, co- a comedic I podcast like, i could see
5: I just lost it. yeah
0: yeah uh, that's, um,
3: okay.
4: that's okay uh, you know
3: tony do you want to <laughs> do you want to just flip through and see if there's one about someone's amping on life support and 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 just go to that right away because that could be fun um, yeah
0: Especially if it ends with the sentence uh, with the phrase "tripped on the cord." <laughs> I
3: know that we had at one time contacted Lee Marino and asked oh, if yeah. they could send us, you know, answer any of the because we often ask the nobodies to send send us stories and stuff. Yeah. And uh, my it's recollection- almost like we're tired of
0: manufacturing content on our own. <laughs>
6: That's
3: not what it is. Uh, but my okay. my recollection is that Lee's response was, uh, fuck you with the horse you rode in on. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a big fuck you from Lee. Yeah. Right.
5: No, that's not correct. Lee's gets very happy. <laughs> well, not, no, Lee's not going to be happy
3: after they hear Becky's
2: story.
0: <laughs> no, no, who could be? Except no. Tony.
4: <laughs> I
5: feel so bad.
2: Tony's lost it. <laughs>
4: yeah.
5: Okay, Lee writes, my aunt frequently drove me to and fro school. One morning, we passed a car that was on fire. <laughs> oh my
0: God. <laughs> oh my God. Keep reading, Tony.
5: <laughs> it turned out to be my mother, which was her sister, on a coffee run. <laughs> she had spun out and went into a ditch. We both laughed it off. It wasn't so funny after my aunt realized that she would be regularly driving me to and fro school,
3: uh-huh, so Lee, somehow the story came back to you uh, no concern minute. whatsoever about your mother uh, <laughs> engulfed in flames in a ditch and you laughed it off is that co- so this is this story is placed perfectly after Becky's story uh, <laughs>
0: I, I think I think this might be a storytelling problem, Lee. You might have you might have left out the part where your mom was safely outside the car at this point. I feel like this is a funny story where the the aunt was going to have to drive to school more because the car was now burned, but the mom lived through it. No, but apparently not, Lee. 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 You don't stipulate in your story that your mom did not, in fact, get consumed by flames and pass away, much like Becky Ross's aunt's best friend.
3: Fortunately- but In flames uh, rather yeah, than yeah. childbirth. Lee, Lee leaves this. Uh, fortunately, you know how they train uh, prisoners to be firefighters?
6: hmm
3: Yeah. Uh, okay. So the good news is that Gene Brody's father was able to be a part of a crew that uh, put out the fire on Lee Marino's mother. So oh, you're saying
0: Gene Brody's, uh, the, the typewriter thief-
3: Yeah, was, yeah, her was, was, father. become a did, firefighter. Yeah, it did time. For, uh, yeah. for stealing her aunt's um, uh, typewriter. So these, you know, I, I want to thank all the listeners that wrote in because this is just further proof that we are, we are a quilt, we are a tapestry, we are woven together uh, in yeah. ways that we don't even expect. I mean, who would have thought for a moment that Jeannie Brody's father uh, noted uh, uh, office supply thief Not only that,
0: Jeannie Brody's father had to raise her all by himself because of his wife who'd passed away during childbirth.
3: (laughs) No, no, no. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even see that. Yes, you're right. But they had
0: so much help from the Ross family down the street. Well, yeah. Uh, Because they were tough as nails, those Rosses.
3: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something else. The Fets goes... who lived. (laughs) (laughs) When Lee Marino's mother went into the ditch, she landed right on top of Carolyn Fetzko's aunt, uh, who had just finished taking her driver's license test. So these (laughs) were a tapestry, were a quilt, were woven together in ways we don't even expect. I'm sure that I've told you all the story about my great aunt Irene, the one who chewed snuff. Didn't I tell you that before?
2: Yes. Yeah. You yeah. can tell it again.
3: Don't say it like that. You're like, yeah. You could, t- yeah. It's the holidays. Tell that story yeah. again, Paula. All right. Yeah, because, you know, it's a yeah. time for family. So, <laughs> my my great-aunt Irene, <laughs> who one time when my mother was visiting, went through my mom's purse Uh <laughs> My mother caught her. I think she caught her stealing money out of her purse, and then my mother decided to stay in a hotel instead. Um, Okay, but my great-aunt Irene uh, used to chew snuff, and she held it between her lower lip and her uh, gum, and she
4: tucked it in, but then she held it in with her tongue like that. (laughs) And so she talked to you, she talked to you like that. And there was always like a dribble Like a really Giuliani hair dyed ribble coming out of her mouth. (laughs) And she was saying to me, Paula, come over here and give me some
0: sugar. She was, she was repulsive. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, the annual holiday retelling of Auntie Irene is complete, which means we've come to the end of our podcast. Uh, hey, everybody, that was fun. If you have questions or comments, and uh, God knows I have questions after that segment, I want to thank all our nobodies for contributing. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Hit us up at nobodylistenstofallandpoundstone at gmail.com or drop by our new website, nobody. Listens to PaulaPoundstone.com and, and leave a comment. Um, remember to follow us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It's free. And if you just need more of us, I encourage you, as I said, to check out our Patreon. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, historian Kyle Harper. Yeah. yeah. And to our house band, Ron Bell. Ron.
6: <laughs>
0: our <laughs> show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Auntie Bonnie Burns, Ken Lizebnik, <laughs> and Julie Berkobian. We are edited by Vic Lowry. <laughs> That's our show for tonight.
3: Won't somebody please listen to me?
0: Y- yes.
4: <laughs> yes,
0: Irene. Irene, me. what can I do for you?
4: I was great, Aunt Irene. I just wanna tell I wanna tell you how I cotton to you. I do I cotton to you. You cotton to me? You ca- cotton. I'm all sweet on you, Ab. Uh, that is repulsive,
0: Auntie Irene. <laughs>
4: Do I? Oh, hold on. Let me let me use my dress to wipe
0: my mouth. I got a little dribble. You're using a dress to wipe your mouth. Use the yeah. top of the dress, not the bottom, because that's just I, more repulsive. Uh, so you're effectively pulling up your dress. Yes. Whoa.
4: Did I flash you accidentally, Em?
0: I believe you did. <laughs>
4: I got a little red hair dye smokes coming down my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I I so enjoy everything you have to say on this podcast. I do.
0: Uh, th- th- thank you, but again, I am I'm 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 not, I'm not interested, in Auntie Irene. I'm a, a happily married man.
4: Well, I'm kind of a little bit now. It's like I capture in the why when. Holden Caulfield appears <laughs> to come on a little bit to his classmate's mother on the train.
0: Y- you like that? I never read that. Oh, you never read that? <laughs> no, no. No. Well, you should you should read Catcher in the Rye, auntie, Irene. You might you might enjoy it. I'll tell you, Pop, I've kept <laughs> You've got you got you got a <laughs> giant long <laughs> thing coming out of your mouth here, Irene. Hold it's on. like a Hold it, on. Looks, it looks like somebody's trying to draw a map on your face.
4: Hold on, let me wipe that
0: off. No, not with the bottom of the dress, oh. not with the bottom <laughs> of the <laughs> dress. Oh. Oh, I, uh, oh, oh, oh. Did, oh,
4: I saw the cool breeze. Did I flash you again? Um,
0: uh, yes, you I, did.
4: I, I'll tell you a part of Kitschmer Live that I really enjoyed.
0: I thought you One didn't read it. One patient
4: on the wall is a soldier wrapped entirely in benches. <laughs> Who no, completely no, no, no. laughs completely <laughs>
0: still? No, Auntie Irene.
4: This song doesn't That's you need not more Catcher Power. and
0: Rye. That's Catch 22, the novel by Joseph Heller. It's a, it's a comic novel about the Second World War, I think. It, it has nothing to do with the Catcher and Rye. A comic novel? Uh, yeah, it's funny novel. It's not comic books. About the, And and about and, funny. and again, you have a giant. Now it looks like there's two. Like 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 you're a vampire leaking blood or something. I mean, there, there's like two of them I, now. Oh,
4: hold on. We're gonna wipe that off. Again, use a napkin or so. Oh God, I don't want to see
0: that. <laughs>
4: <God>. <laughs> Hell, you playing hard to get, Amelda? I'm not playing hard to get. I am impossible to get
0: for you. I promise you that. <laughs>
4: You can see where Paul gets her
0: cough from. Oh. (laughs) It's genetic. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) I think it might have something to do with the snuff you're wolfing down. Well, it helps me feel better. everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux.
3: Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and
0: two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula, and use the code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With
3: Helix, better sleep starts now.
0: Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but (laughs) fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula, and if you're going to do it anyway, use our code.